0: Everybody, it's time for episode 30 of the Gridirons and Lines Football Podcast. It's been a while, I'll say it's my fault, but you can also talk to my partner Taylor, who's right over there. Taylor, say hi to everybody. I am right over here. You are right over here. We're not uh recording uh like separately today, we're finally back together.
1: Yeah, except I'm moving soon, so we'll be back to remote.
0: Yeah, so it's, you know, it's whatever. You'll get
1: a few of these in person again.
0: Yeah, Taylor is about to, uh, he's about to become a big Minnesota Vikings fan.
1: I sure am not. That was um, one of the stipulations of me moving there.
0: Let's, let's see, uh, we were working on the accent earlier, so Taylor, Taylor's really trying to make sure he fits in. So his one of the first things he's going to tell people when he gets out, like, the Target there or the Walmart, is like, man, if only we had Stefan Diggs this year, we could probably win the division. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Taylor's going to get really good at defending the Vikings. Uh, So, we are on episode 30. We're on to the NFC West today. We're finishing up here, guys, pretty soon. So, what do you want to expect from these episodes? Again, in-depth research and analysis on each division's offseason so far. Free agent signings, staff personnel changes, if there are any draft picks, so on and so forth. We're going to be going through and saying who had the best offseason, the worst offseason. Taylor, before we get going, why don't we plug all of our cool stuff. We're on Twitter. That's at G-G-O-A-L-L-I-N-E-S. That's the Grid Irons of Goines the football podcast Twitter. It's been a
1: while, but he did it right. Yeah,
0: that was rough, actually. And then YouTube. And then Taylor, where can we find our, uh, where is it, where can everyone find our podcast right now?
1: Yeah, so other than uh, YouTube, most of the time when I'm not lazy, uh, you can find it on, mostly Spotify seems to be the favorite. But, you know, you have the Anchor app, uh, Google Casts, Breaker, Radio Public. I mean, kind of everywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean we're we're everywhere, so make sure you are subscribing us, subscribing to us, liking anything, commenting on anything that you can comment on. I, I know you can't come on to you can't come on, on all those platforms, but also make sure you get on our Twitter because our Twitter is really awesome. Just
1: a reminder, we do giveaways during the regular season. So
0: So you're gonna wanna be following our Twitter because also I've been pretty dynamite lately on the Twitter. Uh, so you're really gonna wanna check that out. But all right, well, without further ado, we're gonna head over to the NFC West and start off with the San Francisco Forty Nine ers so to put it plainly, the 49ers already look like a pretty different team this year, but yet still seem to have a top contender uh, feel to them. DeForest Buckner was traded, Emmanuel Sanders signed it elsewhere, Matt Breda was traded, Marquise Goodwin was traded, Joe Staley retired, <laughs> and those are just a few guys that were a great uh, contributing factor to the Super Bowl appearance. However, I never said that the team looked worse, just different. The 49ers, uh, through the various trades they made in, and in free agency and resignings, look pretty great. Eric Armstead greatly benefited from the Buckner trade. He got himself a five year contract worth up to $85 million in incentives. They're around $48 million base. Armstead led the team's uh, 48 sack campaign with 10 himself. Trent Williams finds a new home as Staley's replacement. Replacing a pro bowler with a pro bowler is always a plus. And if that was not enough, the 49ers still had two first-round picks, which they used uh, to build their defense even more with Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle, and then they also drafted Brand Ayuk, wide receiver, uh, who could prove to be a great asset to their really younger wide receiver core. Uh, now, Jalen Hurd, just news today, Jalen Hurd, wide receiver for the Niners, did possibly tear his ACL, so I think this Brandon Ayuk pickup looks even better. How are we feeling about these changes so far?
1: Uh, I mean, overall, they're they're pretty good. Like, it's hard to say that the team is better than it was. But, you know, when you've got such a stacked roster like the 49ers had, there's always a cycle of replacing, you know, the experienced, expensive players with newer, younger, cheaper players. And that it's not always a bad thing.
0: Yeah. I do kind of want to talk about this Eric Armstead deal, though. So um, I want to look at it. So I don't know if I like the five-year deal for Armstead. Prior to this season... Or this past season, rather. He was not much to talk about. Going to his sixth year, uh, would you rather have traded Armstead and paid Buckner, who is heading to his fifth year, and has been more productive in less time? Because that's, that's what I've been considering in, the, in this debate, is Buckner has been better and is one year younger, but I don't know if maybe you get the same trade value out of Armstead. You
1: definitely don't get the same trade. You, you don't get a first-rounder out of Armstead. And if you look at the deal that Buckner signed with the Colts, he's way more expensive. Yeah.
0: I guess I can I think see they're that. they're paying, going. what,
1: 23 mil a year?
0: Yeah, something crazy like that. It's pretty high. I mean, that Colts with Justin Houston right now, along with Buckner, it's getting pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, how much consideration do we put into this discussion when we also consider uh, Javon Kenlaw gets picked, uh, which probably happens because of the Buckner trade? I mean, that probably looks a little bit better as far as keeping this defense a little bit younger we feel better about it with Kenlaw coming in.
1: Right. So I I believe more or less uh it's it's kind of like trading uh Buckner for Kenlaw. Yeah. Uh which is a downgrade because Kenlaw's a rookie, but I mean he's younger uh and way way cheaper. Right. So if he ends up being good enough to be a first round talent, I think that the trade is fine for them and lets them spend their money on other important positions.
0: Yeah, see, Buckner Buckner's bringing in $21 million a year, so, I mean, you're probably right. That's a lot. It's a lot. People are, getting played, people are getting paid a lot of money this year. Uh, losing Sanders and Goodwin and adding a uke may seem decent, but was there a need ignored at wide receiver, or does the running game, George Kittle, and the young speed at wide receiver enough for Jimmy G to make his offense competitive enough?
1: Regardless of how run-heavy your team is... Good wide receivers is important. They might just be good enough, but I, I would really like to see them have one more like key wide receiver piece. Yeah. But they you know, they have George Kittle, which is relevant. Very
0: relevant. Uh, so It's tough because they're gonna run a lot of formations though where George Kittle pretty much is never gonna be lined out like on the outside or in the slot or anything like that. So as great of a of a pass catching tight end he is there still is it. You can't do a lot with him because you you want him on the line because he's so good at blocking too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if if you're in a standard set, he's gonna be on the line next you know next to the offensive lineman. So um, I still think that one more good res- wide receiver here would have been great. Uh, I actually had forgotten that they got that they uh, got rid of Goodwin, and I remember disagreeing with that when it happened because yeah. I really thought that was gonna. I mean, this takes Jimmy G from like this keeps him out of the top twelve I think as quarterbacks go.
1: I think it's a good time for him to prove it, actually.
0: Yeah, it's a good uh, point. You
1: know, if he can do great things with these wide receivers, maybe people will
0: stop doubting him. Maybe. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, well, we're going to head over to the Seattle Seahawks now. Carlos Hyde, Greg Olson, Olson, <laughs> Greg Olson, and Philip Dorsett are the big vet additions for the Seahawks, and honestly, the only people that thought any of these were exciting were probably Seahawks fans making an excuse to be excited about something. Here's my hot take. Guys like Jason Wenton and Greg Olson just need to retire. I, I I don't feel like this overwhelming like shock and all that they are in different uniforms. I think that they are dated tight ends that really just don't need to be in the league anymore. I think I think they're fine. I think they can get jobs being analysts. Jason Wenton, we know he can. Yeah. There's, there's my hot take. I I I uh, have no excitement about Greg Olson going to the other coast to play with Russell Wilson. I don't think Greg Greg Olson makes Russell Wilson any better. Well, I don't think anybody could make Russell Wilson better. <laughs> That's fair, but also like Jason went and going to the Raiders is super unexciting as well, and we could talk about that. Uh, next episode. So anyway, the Seahawks did not make any, uh, made like major moves this off season. Of course they did not have, J- uh, Jadeveon Clowney. They did add Quentin Dunbar through a trade, but other than his four interception campaign last season, really nothing to be excited about. So, I mean, really they kind of got gutted as far as veteran, uh, leadership goes and they didn't add anything to be excited about, but they are supposed to, uh, the Seahawks did draft for the future. In my opinion, two defensive ends and inside linebacker Jordan Brooks, were among the eight uh, were among the eight draft picks that they selected. Brooks was a four-year player at Texas Tech and nabbed 20 tackles for a loss his senior year with three t- with three sacks, a forced fumble, and two fumble recoveries. With Brooks learning under uh, Bobby Wagner, you might look for his name among top linebackers in a couple years, I'd say. But perhaps the better pick was in the second round with Darrell Taylor of Tennessee. In 24 games in his last two seasons, he tallied 16 and a half tackles. To, uh, sacks four force fumbles and four pass deflections at defensive end uh, these two guys could be the future of seattle's defense i think maybe a little bit of return to that big defensive boom are we satisfied with this offseason for the seahawks uh, should the offensive line have been addressed a little bit more considering like the 49ers defense that they're going to be playing twice a year now uh, the cardinals upping their defense did the seahawks do anything to increase their chances to reach super bowl this year no. Yeah. So
1: the Seahawks. <laughs> let me let me fill you in. No,
0: for uh, no, just just for record, no for all those questions, probably right.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna give you a brief history of the last decade for the Seattle Seahawks. All right. Seahawks are a bad, irrelevant team. Then they get Pete Carroll, who was uh, a losing coach, and then they managed to scrape together what became known as the Legion of Boom, which was a great defense for about three seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, during which time they drafted Russell Wilson in the third round, who turned out to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, the, the their defense has dissolved. Uh, Pete Carroll honestly hasn't gotten any better, and Russell Wilson has put about 70 people on his back every single season. And the Seahawks said, yeah, it's working. Why why make any improvements? <laughs> So that's where we're at. Russell Wilson is single-handedly winning games for the Seahawks most of the time, and because he can do it, they don't feel the need to go out and make the team better.
0: Yeah, and I, I think there's a really great point you make as well, because really, in the last decade, the only time this division has been competitive outside of Seattle was the Carson Palmer-Bruce Arians era in Arizona, which only lasted a couple of years, uh, the McVeigh boom in his first two years and maybe Harbaugh's time for like a year with San Francisco. But other than that, yeah,
1: they did go to a super bowl. They did go to a super
0: bowl, but other than that been a pretty irrelevant, but, but the thing is the, uh, the Carlos posted a 13, three season uh, during the Bruce Arians, Carson Palmer era. They and, did go
1: to a super bowl.
0: Yeah. Uh, but Carson Palmer didn't go to super bowl oh, with, yeah, the, like with that. the Cardinals. But yeah, so essentially what I'm saying is like when you look at the last, you know, sub decade, that this division really has just been the Russell Wilson show. And I think that there's probably this misconception that the Russell Wilson show can continue. I don't think that's true anymore. Cause I think this division is getting pretty darn good. Yeah. And we're going to get into that with the Rams right now as well. So, uh, LA Rams, this was already covered, but the Rams changed their Jersey design and it sucks.
1: Yeah. Uh, why?
0: Oh, back to business, I guess. I just, I just really wanted to. The, so that the out.
1: jerseys are pretty bad, but the logo is worse.
0: Yeah. They look like peel-off stickers. I tweeted that they look like peel-off stickers, and it so far is our highest uh, liked tweet on Twitter. I mean,
1: it is still better <laughs> than the Washington football team.
0: Uh, we'll get to all that some other time, just so everyone knows. We're going to be working on, like, a post-Corona pod. All right, so, jerseys suck, logo sucks. Let's get the business. For the first time since 2011, the Rams will have different coaches at defensive corner, offensive corner, and special teams. So that's a pretty big shakeup. Uh the Rams getting, so uh, were the Rams getting into a position wherein they need to clean house, do you think? Uh, probably. Really? Other than McVeigh?
1: Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't think you give up on McVeigh yet. Okay. Um, you know, I, I was never quite as hype on him as a lot of people, but he's really good for how young he is, and he's only going to yeah. get more experience and grow.
0: You just gotta you wonder what, what he's really looking for in the team, and I think we're going to get to that in this, mm-hmm. this section as well. So Brandon Cooks was traded to the Texans. Uh, Cooks is heading into the seventh year. He had a great uh, season two years ago with over 1,200 yards, but last year nabbed less than half of that in just two fewer games. The Rams were hit with 21 million in dead money, but got a second round pick out of the deal, knowing how inconsistent or knowing how consistent—not great, but consistently good. This team has been in the passing game. Was this correct? Was this the correct move? Do you think Taylor getting rid of Brandon Cooks for Jared Goff?
1: Uh, I think so. They still have some other pretty good wide receivers
0: there. Uh, yeah. I mean, you Cooper Cup. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, you know, I, I don't know how much you, more you were going to get into, but they did draft Van Jefferson in the second round, which is what we're going to get mm-hmm. into now. So Jefferson had a pretty calm career at wide receiver being in the SEC. In the last two seasons, he caught 12 touchdowns for just over 1,100 yards. Perhaps uh, the better receiving threat was drafted in the third round bryson hopkins tight end out of purdue shout out to johnny one of our best listeners i'm sure he's excited about this he caught uh hopkins caught six one passes for 830 yards and seven touchdowns at tight end in the big 10 so this is actually a pretty major uh athlete right here however he had pretty miserable blocking grades uh i was looking at his grades he's got literally some of the worst blocking grades for a tight end so I'm thinking more looking for him to be a big man threat in the red zone and goal line. He also reminds me a lot of Devin Funches Mm -hmm. coming out of Michigan, who also was not a good blocking tight end. He just transitioned into wideout. So, considering Jefferson and Hopkins here, trading Cooks, are you feeling better about the passing game uh, over in L.A.? Uh,
1: I I don't know that I'm feeling better about it, uh, but I'm not feeling much worse. Yeah, Uh, I, I think that if the passing game improves this year... It's not even because of moves that they may or may not be making, but it's because of getting rid of Todd Gurley.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Todd Gurley was fantastic, and then he got hurt and wasn't as good, and then they just had this weird cycle of not knowing how to properly utilize him. And I think that's why they were just a very mediocre team last year, because they relied, like, it felt like they were lost without him, but also didn't want to use him. And now that he's just not there, surely they'll figure out what they need to be doing.
0: Yeah, so that kind of plays into what we're going to talk about now is with Cam Akers. So Cam Akers is the big and exciting addition to the offense. Obviously, with Todd Gurley's departure, there was a huge hole left at running back. Darrell Henderson probably thought the job was his until the Rams drafted Akers in the second round. Uh, Akers is a three-year back out of FSU, who had over 1,000 yards his freshman season and over 1,300 scrimmage yards the last year as a junior. With 34 total touchdowns in three seasons, Akers may be the biggest offensive rookie splashed in this division. Can Jefferson, Hopkins, and Akers get the McVay offense back in the playoffs? Because whether or not these guys are going to be individually stars right at the bat, they seem like guys that McVeigh needs right now. I feel like he needs this kind of youth that he's looking for to mm-hmm. kind of inject into his offense.
1: So, honestly, the the... Uh, Akers kind of concerns me a
0: little bit. Yeah.
1: Uh, he might be a little too good. You know, I was talking about them getting out of the girly thing, and this could just let them fall back into that similar trap. Like, That's I don't cool. think, I certainly don't think Goff is like a top five quarterback or anything like that, but I think uh, Jared Goff is a lot better than he gets credit for. Yeah. Uh, but if you're not going to use him, then he's not going to be able to do anything good for the team. Uh, and so if they just, you know, make Akers the new Todd Gurley. Maybe they'll have a great season out of him. And then a couple seasons from now, he'll be hurt because that happens to running backs and they'll be in the same position again.
0: Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. Um, it's it's tough because McVay came into a team that already had Goff and Gurley. Mm-hmm. Go- Gurley at this time had been with the team for... the I think that would have been his third season by this time. And Goff was going into, I think, his second season at this time. So a lot of coaches sometimes don't like that position they're in. Right. I think Mave's a little different. I think Mave's fine with it because I, I think they were young enough for him to try to mold. But also I think that you're going to start seeing maybe some uh, success with the younger players they're getting because I think Mave wants the team to be a certain way. And I think it's more – I mean, Cliff Kingsbury got lucky because right. his first year he went ahead and just told them that weren't going to keep Josh Rosen. They were going to draft a whole other quarterback and start over from fresh pretty much, which we'll head into that right now with the Arizona Cardinals as well. So we've talked about this in a couple episodes now, but the DeAndre Hopkins trade is pretty huge. When the trade initially happened, what was our reaction for Kyler Murray, Taylor? Oh,
1: I mean, it was fantastic for Kyler Murray.
0: Yeah. So I've been reading a lot of things where uh, it's looking like the uh, the Cardinals this year will be one of the first teams, like they're predicting it might be one of the first teams, and I think over a decade now that will have three wide receivers with over a thousand yards. Fun fact, the last team that did that, the Cardinals. Oh. Yeah, I think it was in 2009. It was, it was Anquan Bowman, Larry Fitzgerald, and uh, some guy. Oh, uh, Preston That's who it oh. was.
1: Well, it, I, I just want to throw this in. It's very off topic, and I apologize. But since you always give me a, a bunch of crap about the Eagles, last year Carson Wentz was the first quarterback ever to throw for more than 4,000 yards and have zero 500 yard receivers.
0: He had zero 500 Not a
1: single receiver on the Eagles had 500 or more yards. That's
0: why Taylor loves the Eagles, everybody. They are Taylor's Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was pretty excited about, for Kyler Murray because I'm still not really big on the whole Kyler Murray deal right now. But um, I'm a, kind of excited to see this pass-first offense, which is yeah. uh, what's going down a little bit more here. So the Cardinals did tag and Drake. Uh, can, uh, Drake will be a six-year back this season after having a couple Seriously, a couple explosive games. The Cardinals found a home for David Johnson's money with the Texans and will ride with Drake for the coming season. Do you think this was an easy choice for the Cardinals, considering this team is likely to air it out with Murray, Hopkins, and Fitzgerald? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's... I just don't know... It sucks because I don't think Drake is worth the price the tag's paying him at. But I think that he thinks he's worth that price the tag's paying him at. But seriously, if you look back at the season last year, it was just a couple games, guys. It wasn't like he had a stretch of six weeks where he was maybe potentially top five running back. It was he had a couple multi-touchdown games, and that was enough for the Cardinals to just say, let's just keep him because he catches the ball really well. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, you know, if they're trying to be a a pass-first team then just getting a couple of explosive games out of your running back is all you need
0: yeah that's a good point point. and I mean honestly finding the find someone to take the David Johnson money was pretty big yeah uh, and we've already talked about the David Johnson trade and how I think it's good for David Don- Johnson it's and probably it's it's fine here uh, but yeah I think that uh, I think it was a pretty fine choice. I'm just really looking forward to seeing what happens with this offense. Um, Isaiah Simmons was the first round selection and a great one. Simmons is the definition of versatility. He has played snaps at nearly every defensive position at Clemson. Uh, Simmons can plug and play and can hang with the likes of Kittle, uh, Metcalf, or even in the slot with Cooper Cup if needed. Uh, he can also jam up run lanes. Simmons has the was the, has the best was the best available athlete in the draft, I think. And pairing him now with Chandler Jones. Should be an amazing sight to see this season. Simmons had 192 tackles in the last two uh, seasons alone, along with 10 sacks and 25 and a half tackles for loss, and a handful of interceptions and forced fumbles. There's no question there. I just really wanted to talk about Isaiah Simmons for a couple.
1: Yeah, minutes. there's no question, <laughs> but I do have an answer. All right. <laughs> uh, so I, I agree about him being uh, probably the best athlete in the draft. Yeah. And I mean, he he was he certainly deserved to go very high in the draft. My concern is that when you have such a versatile player like that, they often tend to get underutilized. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to know exactly how to utilize them, and I'm just not necessarily convinced that Kingsbury is going to know how to do that.
0: You're right. He may not, because I also don't think that Kingsbury has anything on his mind other than what to do with Kyler Murray. Yeah. I mean, I— Really don't think Cliff. I think Cliff Kingsbury himself, as a coach and as skills a coach, is like a bottom ten coach. I don't think he's really defensive wise right now on the ball. So, I think uh, I I think drafting Isaiah Simmons is more as more of a hopefully now Simmons and Jones could hold down the fort. Mm -hmm. Fun fact: Jones has the most sacks in the league since two thousand
1: sixteen.
0: People don't know a lot about Chandler Jones, but he's actually like top three guy. All right, uh, the Cardinals also invested a little into their offensive line, getting Josh Jones out of Utah in the third. Jones could have been a late first-rounder or second-rounder, but his pass blocking grade has been cited as something that needs work. So certainly I don't see this guy uh, – I don't see Josh Jones starting week one, especially in this past-heavy offense. But hopefully with what time they have with practice now, since teams are returning to work, maybe he can get some good work in. The Cardinals are shaping up to be a faster team than the others in this division. Considering how competitive this division may end up being, did the Cardinals do enough to win ten plus games and a potential wild card berth. I guess they don't even have to win ten plus games to get a wild card, wild card berth anymore. Uh, what do you think?
1: They they might have to. This is a pretty tough conference. Yeah,
0: I almost convinced myself that they were good enough for a wild card.
1: Yeah, I, I did wrote, when I wrote I, the I did for about five minutes, and then I realized that probably not.
0: Probably not. Yeah. I mean, this, this team probably finishes third in the division, at least, though, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, th- this is one of those teams that just feels like they can beat anybody, but they won't.
0: No, I get it. And I think I think it starts with Cliff Kingsbury. and I, I don't think he'll be smart enough to beat... I mean, he he may not be smart enough to win 10 games. They're, they're going to be
1: explosive, and Kyler Murray's going to have a, like, a couple 500-yard games. Probably, yeah. But uh, I don't think... They're going to win more than seven.
0: I am uh, really, really excited for the year that Larry Fitzgerald's going to have. Yeah. Because for a long time, he's been the guy. And as much as I love Larry Fitzgerald, I think he's like the best wide receiver of all time. But you've got Hopkins coming here. He's going to get a lot more attention than Fitz is going to get, which is totally fine for Fitz in his mind, I'm sure. Because yeah. now he's just going to be going out there having fun, I think. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so who won the NFC West offseason, Taylor?
1: Uh, I think it was the 49ers.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just because they were already the best team in the division and they stayed about where they were.
0: Okay, that's fair. I'll probably I'll probably go with the Cardinals because I do think they got the best athlete in the draft, maybe the best that, maybe the best player in the draft, and they also got Hopkins and, you know, for a bag of potato chips. So yeah, I, I, I can see. I definitely uh, and can they, see the idea yeah. for the Cardinals. Here. And they invested in protecting uh, Murray, possibly more. So I'm gonna go with that for my best team. Uh, biggest loser, I think, for me, is just probably the Seahawks oh, it's, because it's easily the Seahawks. I just. I don't know what they did this offseason. And seriously, if you're a Seahawks fan, I think that I think that you're probably just making excuses to be excited because you, yeah. you really shouldn't What be they happy. did this offseason was go,
1: yeah, we still have Russell Wilson.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Until they don't. <laughs> so what was the biggest need filled and the biggest need ignored? Uh, so the biggest need ignored
1: was pretty much anything on the Seahawks. <laughs> Offensive line, weapons, defense. I, yeah. Um, probably
0: not keeping Clowney was a pretty big ignored yeah. thing, definitely. And then Biggest Need Filled, maybe replace I think I think replacing Joe Staley with Trent Williams is actually pretty uh, – Yeah, low, that's, that's really
1: significant. Pretty
0: low-key significant because like as soon as Jay, J- Joe Staley retires, I think the 49ers instantly become worried about their run game and mm-hmm. just worried about their blocking game in general. That's how good Joe Staley is, especially in this division. But then getting Trent Williams for – and it was not a good trade at the – washington football team traded for uh so yeah that's gonna be my biggest need filled i think
1: yeah i do like that the the cardinals addressed their offensive line but i would have liked to see them do more maybe they could have you know they could have gone out and gotten
0: trent williams maybe maybe so but yeah so i'm really excited for this division i cannot wait till we get to our division predictions Mm. because i think that we i think that taylor and i will have opinions about this division i
1: we typically have opinions about a lot yeah, of
0: divisions but, but this this one might be super opinionated which is a, which is our job here at yeah th-
1: i think this one's actually really tough and i could <laughs> see us having i my prediction now is that we're both going to predict the 49ers to win the division and outside
0: of that all three
1: positions could very well be different
0: possibly yeah possibly i I've got to look into it a little bit more, but it's it's gonna be exciting. But so there's your division review for the off season of the NFC West. Um, remember, follow, like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend, um, send us tweets, ask us questions. We'd love to engage with you. I've been I've been engaging with people on our Twitter recently, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, make sure you follow our Twitter seriously. It's at g g o a l l i n e s. That's the grounds going football podcast Twitter. And next time, we're going to finish up our off-season review with the AFC West. Yeah, we'll finish up
1: the off-season review pretty much right before the season starts. Yeah, so right.
0: you're welcome. <laughs> you're, you're probably sitting there like, guys, you skipped a few weeks here and there. Yeah, uh, we timed it perfectly, and you're welcome. <laughs> I don't know what else you would have wanted. Did you want us to finish these two months ago and then us not cover any of the news? No, you didn't want that. You wanted things as they came. All right. We'll right, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next time. All right, bye.